The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost, to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. And what king, going to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm sure many of you are familiar uh, with the religious right. You've heard me critique them up here a time or two, or perhaps ten. Uh, they are a convenient straw man for my sermons. But just to momentarily re-educate you, the religious right is a loose coalition of Baptists, Evangelicals, and non-affiliated Protestants who adhere to a rigid interpretation of legalized Christianity. They align themselves politically with cultural conservatives and believe that the life principles of the ancient Near East can easily be applied to 21st century America. In other words, they are much of what we are not, and that is okay. There are many ways to interpret scripture. I wouldn't mind their own interpretation so much if they did not support a lot of the social evils which are pervasive today. Now, one of the key components to the religious rights platform is the family unit. A husband, a wife, and children make the Lord happy. The husband is the breadwinner. The wife knows her place. The children eat their food and mind their manners. This is what God intended family life to be. Obviously, this was the common theme of America for many decades. And it's not a bad way to live. I certainly do not think it is a bad way, but it is not the only way. I have no problem with people who choose to do so as long as they are not being coerced. Now what it most certainly is not, however, is the Christian way to live. This is what has always brought me at odds with much of what the religious right does, and meshing cultural values with scripture. In fact, the Bible presents two very different versions of the family unit. In the Hebrew scriptures, the family exists to procreate. No more, no less. You have to build up the tribe of Israel. So you married, and you had as many kids as you possibly could. There are stories of men taking multiple wives as long as they could afford it. I mean, Solomon himself had hundreds of wives. Women had very little say in society 
and widows were at the absolute bottom of the rung. This was ordinary. Homosexuality was frowned on not because of morals, but because it did not lead to procreation. I can say with confidence that it is a good thing we do not live in this time. Pages out of order. Yet the New Testament takes an opposite view. It shatters the idea of the family unit. For everyone from Jesus to St. Paul to the Apostle John writing the book of Revelation, all of them talk about the urgency of Christ's ministry, Christ's death, and Christ's impending return. Paul is insistent on people remaining celibate because he thought the world was going to end tomorrow. Jesus ignores his own mother and siblings in one story to tell a crowd that they, his followers, are indeed his siblings. And in today's gospel, he goes a step further, saying that whoever does not indeed hate their mother and father cannot follow him. Well, my mother and stepfather are here today, and all of you know my father, who comes a lot of Sundays. And I want to say with great pride that indeed I do not hate them. In fact, I love them, and if I may be so bold, I also love my son and my wife. I'm very blessed to have a good family. Now, I'm also a Christian, and I take Jesus' words seriously, if not in this specific case, literally. And many of you here today who I know and whose families I know are tremendous blessings to you and to this church. So how do we deal with this passage? How do we identify the family unit? And furthermore, how do we follow the Son of God who says that in order to truly follow him, we must give up all that we love and all that we possess and hate even life itself? Now, I'm going to walk back a little to our friends in the religious right. Because while I do not agree with their interpretation of scripture, I do agree with the power and the joy that a healthy family can bring. I would not be here today without the sacrifice of love from many in my own family. And if Jesus stood in front of me today and said that I had to surrender my son in order to follow him, I honestly do not think I could do that. My wife gives me the confidence to come out here Sunday after Sunday, and my son helps me to understand the idea of new life in ways that I could never even imagine. I do believe that families are gifts from God and that they make us better. So I think what Jesus is saying in today's gospel is that we must cast aside the things that keep us from him. And what's important to note if you follow the Hebrew scripture interpretation of the family, is that Jesus is not telling us to stand against our family because we don't honor them. That would violate the fifth commandment. Jesus is telling us to stand against our family because your family in that time provided your social status. If you were born into a rich family, you remained a respected person in society because of being rich. And if you were born into a servant's family, you were certainly not respected. There was no social advancement in that time. People stayed how they were. What Jesus is asking you to give up in this passage is not the love you have for your family. It's the security and comfort that society gives you 
because of your family. It's surrendering what people deem important, wealth, status, and possessions in favor of following him. Now, put like that, you might think I just did one of those make-you-feel-better sermon jujitsu things, but that's not the case. In fact, I feel like for many of us, we have a lot more to surrender to follow Jesus than just the love of our family. We have to put aside what makes us special and unique in society, our race, our gender, our economic status, and yes, even our possessions. Because what makes us special to God is the mark on our forehead that claims us in baptism. And what makes us special to God is the image in which we are created that reminds us that we are all unique and we are all the same. Therefore, the question to be Jesus' disciple in 21st century America is, what do you need to give up in order to follow Christ? It is convenient, therefore, for me just to hate my family because I have a lot of stuff going on by societal standards. And many of you do, too. But we cannot buy our way into heaven. A comfortable life does not put us closer to God. Jesus had no time to wait for you to, has no time to wait for you to get your act in order. In our world, there is a lot of evil to stand up to, and we all have barriers that keep us from Jesus. We must identify them. I do hope that you have a family who loves you and that you love them in return. But I also pray that you are troubled to give up whatever holds you back from God. We cannot take our power, privilege, or possessions with us in the life to come. We must surrender all for the one who surrendered his life for us on the cross, Jesus Christ our Lord. To him be the glory forever. Amen.